Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. And in this series, we've been talking about how to live a little bit healthier, how to have a healthier pace of life, how to, how to have a sustainable lifestyle because many of us are burnt out, we're too stressed, we're too tired, we're too, we're too spaced out. And uh, what we wanna do is to be able to be a little bit healthier, to be healthier in our lives, to be able to breathe. And we, we titled it Breathe Easy because many of us live a, a pace of life so fast that you can't even stop and smell the roses. You can't even stop to breathe. So we've been talking about different areas in our life where we can make better choices, where we can be aware of certain things that can help us to release tension, to release stress in our lives. We spoke about our social life, right? We said that our friends matter. Our friends create, uh, they can tell us where we're going to end up. We also spoke about our mind. We said that our mental mind matters, that we need to care for it because what we think is what we feel and what we feel is what we act. We also learned about caring for our physical bodies. If you're smart, if you're anointed, if you're gifted, but you're always physically sick, you're almost of no good because your, your physical body greatly matters as well. And then two weeks ago, we spoke about the most important topic, the topic that makes the biggest difference in all the areas of our life, and that is our spiritual life. Last week, we started talking about your inner life, about inner peace. And today, I wanna finish talking about it because last week, we just got to admitting that we're exhausted, that to go from chaos to calm, we need to admit we're exhausted. So today, I, I, I want to wrap that up. And, and I read something. I was thinking about just how important it, your inner life is, how important inner peace is. And you want to know how important it is? Your inner life is so important because you cannot pour from an empty cup. Can I say that again? Some of you guys are still processing it. Your inner life is so important because you cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot be a great mom if you're an empty cup. You cannot be a great husband if you're an empty cup. You cannot go after your dreams and accomplish the vision that God gave you if you're an empty cup. So our inner life matters, amen? Let's pray and we'll talk about it. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your wonderful presence in this place. Lord, I know that in a room like this, there are many hearts going through many different things. Some are mourning, some are nervous, some are excited, some are fearful. Some, Lord, are anxious. Others, Lord, are wondering. And Father, so I just pray that whatever the condition of our heart is this morning, that you would meet us right where we are. 
that to the broken, you would bring healing, that to the weary, you would bring rest, that to the desperate, you would bring peace, that to the excited, you would bring gratitude, Lord. Father, just meet us right where we are and speak through us to your word. I pray that more than information, Lord, what we learned today from your word, we would apply it, that we would apply it as soon as we walk out of here, that we would apply it as we are in this room. We thank you for those watching online, Lord. We pray that next week they would join us in person, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, last week as we began to talk about inner peace, we looked at a Bible character and his name is the prophet Elijah. And we looked at the prophet Elijah because the prophet Elijah is one of the most significant figures in the Bible. We could make the argument that he's the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, but he's a very significant figure in the Bible. Elijah was a great man of God who experienced God's favor. Elijah was a great prophet who spoke on behalf of God to his people. Elijah was a man of faith who called out miracles from the mighty hand of God. But yet this great man found himself in chaos. And not just external chaos, but most importantly, internal chaos. We saw him go into this downward, dark spiral that it led him to the point of running away and praying, Lord, I want to die. Take my life away. And I'd like us to read the story once again. Last week, we said that if you want to go from chaos to calm, if you want to be able to breathe easy and be able to have more inner peace, the first thing you got to do is admit that you're exhausted. But today, I want us to look at God's remedy for exhaustion. But in order to do that, I'd like us to read the story once again. Um, it's kind of long, but it's all right, because some of you didn't do your Bible reading this week, okay? So you're going to make up for it today. Amen? Only a couple of you were honest enough to say, yeah, that's me. It's right there in your outlines. Follow along with me. First Kings, look at what it says. When Ahab got home, and Ahab is a king, and Jezebel's his wicked wife, and they're both really wicked rulers, just so you know that. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you as you killed them. Can I just stop there? Can I just make an observation? Because if you know this passage, you know that it is that threat from this evil woman that really just tipped Elijah over the edge, right? Elijah just killed so many false prophets of Baal. And this woman says, hey, may the God strike me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you. Can I tell you that she was bluffing? Because if she really wanted to kill them, she would have killed them as she sent this message. Why would she send the message, hey, I'm going to kill you, right? I mean, those are just the little observations that I kind of make when I'm reading the Bible. I don't know if you do, but I, I, that just kind of jumped out at me this week as I was studying this passage again. Look at verse 3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there, look, look, look. start noticing the downward spiral. What does he do? He runs. 
And then he gets out of community. He, he abandons his servant in, in, in Beersheba. Verse 4. Then he went alone into where? The wilderness. Traveling all day, he sat, down, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and what? Pray. Get up and meditate. Get up and go feed the homeless. No, what, what did the angel tell him? Get up and what? Eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and what? Pray some more. Get up and go study some more. Get up and eat. That's my favorite verse. I'm going to put that on a shirt. Get up and eat some more. Get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Verse 9, there he came to a cave, right? So he goes from the wilderness to what? A cave. You see his emotional distress? Do you see how downward spiral Elijah has gone? There, verse 9, he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? <coughs> Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, tore down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain out. Notice something else. God tells him, I want you to go out of this cave and stand before me. In other words, I want you to go out of this cave because I want to have an encounter with you. But Elijah stayed there. Not only does scripture tell us, but, but notice what it's going to tell us in a few verses ahead. And, and after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of what? A gentle whisper. Look at this. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, same question, same answer, right? God asked the same question twice, and Elijah's going to give the same answer twice. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, tore down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from the town of Abel Me Meholaha, something like that, <laughs> Mehola, from Abel Mehola, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be, will be killed by Jehu, 
And, they, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elijah. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or what? Kissed him. So to go from exhaustion to tranquility, to go from chaos to calm, the first thing you got to do is admit that you're exhausted. And if you weren't here last week and you didn't join us online, you can check out our podcast and we developed that whole first point. But the second thing that we have to do to go from exhaustion to tranquility is that we have to apply the remedy for exhaustion. And and here's what I love about this passage. What I love about this passage is that not only do we see the downward spiral of Elijah's emotional life, but most importantly, we see how God deals with it. We see how God goes about dealing with Elijah as he goes down this downward spiral. And in fact, I want to point four things, four things that God moved Elijah to do, four things that God helped Elijah to do that are four things that if you're feeling down, that if you're feeling burnt out, that if you're feeling stressed out, there are things that you can do to help you come out of that chaos inside your heart. What is that? Well, to relieve exhaustion, here's the first thing God did for Elijah. And the first thing you and I need to do to relieve exhaustion, we need to rest physically. We need to rest physically. Somebody said that common sense isn't common anymore. You would think that if you're exhausted, the first natural thing for you to do is to say, hey, I can't take it anymore. My muscles are tense. I'm always in a headache. I have low energy. The number one thing I need is physical rest. God understood that about Elijah. Look, look, look at it with me in verses five through eight. It says, then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and what? Eat. So I want you to notice that when Elijah runs, He goes to sleep and God lets him fall asleep. In fact, he lets him go to sleep and he wakes him up to eat. Not once, but how many? Twice. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and jar of water. So he ate and drank. And what did he do again? Lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. See, first thing God does with Elijah, as he sees Elijah burnt out, as he sees Elijah stressed out, is that he allows him to get physical rest. And here's why. Because God values rest. Not only did God model it for us on the seventh day of creation and by instituting the Sabbath, but he also modeled it for us in Jesus Look at what Psalm verse 127, verse two says. It says, for God gives what? Rest to his loved ones. Maybe we ought to change that saying, God gives the strongest battles to his strongest warriors and start saying, God gives rest to his loved ones. I don't know about you, I'm tired of battles. I want some rest. Amen. Amen. And God gives rest to his loved ones. 
And, and not only does Psalm tell us that, that rest is one of God's gifts, but we also see this model by Jesus in his ministry. I know we've looked at this verse before, but look at what Mark 6.31 says. It says, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and what? Pray some more? Intercede some more? Study some more? Counsel some more? No, rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to what? To eat. Hear me out. Physical rest is essential. When you're feeling burnt out, when you're stressed out, and I know, I, I know the biggest lie the enemy tells you, well, if you stop to rest, it's only going to get crazier. Things are only going to get more out of control. And that is the lie the enemy tells you to keep you in that downward spiral where you keep digging yourself a deeper and deeper grave. The first thing God helps Elijah do is find and get some physical rest. You know why? Because rest regenerates you. Rest replenishes you. With rest, rest reduces inflammation. And it is inflammation that is one of the greatest causes of feeling burnt out. Did you know that when you rest, your cells are regenerated? Your DNA cells and the waste of other cells uh, gets dealt with and it affects your mood. When you rest, when you rest, it allows you to recover mentally. Mental burnout is almost always found with physical burnout. When you're exhausted physically, 90% of the time, you're going to be exhausted mentally. And when you can go to sleep, when you get some rest, you're able to rest your mind as well, which helps you. And rest, I don't know about you, unless you're like Nathan, but rest improves your mood. Nathan is the only guy that takes a nap and wakes up more grumpier than he went to sleep. <laughs> All right, but, but, but physical rest allows you to, to, to feel happier and less irritable. So the first step to relieve exhaustion is to refresh yourself by getting physical rest. Can I tell you something? It's okay to schedule it too. It's okay for you to look at your calendar and say, this Saturday, I'm saying no to all birthday parties. I'm saying no to all breakfast invitations. I'm saying no to all responsibilities. It is my pajama day. It is okay to do that. Yes. God not only modeled it, God not only instituted it, God not only told us about it, God not only gives it to us, but he helped Elijah to find rest. Now notice that that is the first thing he does. You would think, right, because we're dealing with the biblical story and a, and a spiritual principle, that the first thing that God would have Elijah do is pray. Just seek the Lord, brother. Well, how can you pray if, if you don't feel physically well? So the first thing is to, is to rest physically. The second thing, the second thing to relieve exhaustion that God helped Elijah do that we need to do is that we need to recharge emotionally. So we rest physically and we recharge emotionally. Look at what verses 9 and 10 says. And this was so awesome. When it, when it jumped out at me, I thought it was great, right? Because I had never seen it this way. Look at what verse 9 and 10 says. It says, there, 
there he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Let me stop right there. Why would I ask God such a silly question? Doesn't God know everything? Doesn't God see everything? So why is God asking Elijah, not once, but twice, what are you doing here? Why? Well, look at verse 10. <coughs> Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, tore down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Last week, we saw this verse, and we identified six, if I remember correctly, or seven different feelings that Elijah gave into. He gave into anger, he gave into worry. He gave into inferiority. He gave into resentment. He gave into all these feelings. I believe that God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Not because God didn't know, but because God was inviting Elijah to dump his emotions on him, to vent with him. In other words, what God was telling Elijah is, Elijah, what's going on? What's going on? See, I don't know how you view God. And, and I've learned that a lot of times our, the way we relate with God is greatly influenced by, the, by our relationship with our earthly father. And if you are like many people, you don't typically see as your earthly father as somebody you can go and just talk to about all things, especially those things that are not so positive. But your earthly father as wonderful or, inf or flawed as he may be, is only a reflection of your heavenly father. And your heavenly father is perfect. And he not only invites you, when he says, Nestor, what are you doing here? He's not accusing me. He's not trying to make me feel guilty. He's inviting me and say, hey, you want to talk? You want to vent? Because here's the thing. God not only cares about what you're going on, what's going on with you, not just the positive, but the negative. Can I tell you something even more powerful? God can handle your emotions. Your wife can, but God can. Your husband can't, but God can. Your parents can, but God can. God can handle your emotions. You can throw a tantrum before God and God can handle it. And he invites us, he invites us to, to open up, to vent, to talk to him and tell him, God, I'm upset about this. God, I hate that this is happening. God, I don't understand why this is going on. God can handle it. That's exactly what Elijah did. He said, God, I've been serving you all this time. But the people you sent me to serve, they're a bunch of knuckleheads and heathens. You know? You send me to lead them to you and they're doing all the opposite. And instead of being grateful for me, they're trying to kill me now. Elijah began to open up to God and say, here's what's bothering me. Who do you vent to? Hopefully not Facebook or social media. The number one activity for just 
venting our emotional garbage, venting our emotional burdens should be talking to God. Because God not only cares, God can handle it. And if, I, and if I may go a step further, God can actually help you do something about it. Look, I know this verse is very well known, but it's so fitting. Look at what Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 says. Look at what it says. It says, don't worry about what? Anything. Anything. Instead, what? What's prayer? Talking to God. And just in case you're not clear what prayer is, look at the next part. Tell God what you need. God, it's funny. I won't tell you who it was and don't laugh and don't point at the person. Okay, they are in the room. I think they are in the room. But you ought to come to our Saturday prayers. They're amazing, you know? Uh, a couple of weeks back, somebody gave a testimony. They were saying, man, there was this coworker that she was after me. She was, she was trying to get me fired. So I said, Lord, would you send her to another department or something? And she said, after a week, she, she requested the change. So she's not working there anymore. Look at that. And I was joking with her and I go, man, you got somebody moved? You got somebody fired? Tell God what's going on. Tell God what you need. If you, if you want to relieve exhaustion, you have to recharge emotionally. And you can't pour in till what's in there is poured out. And, and the best place to do that is God. Okay? If you have a therapist, if you have a prayer warrior, if you have a godly man or a godly woman in your life that you could also vent to, that's a plus. But if you have a counselor, if you have a therapist, if you got a friend, but you, you are not venting with God, you're missing out. Because no one cares, no one can handle your emotions, and no one can help you like God can. So recharge emotionally. Number three, to relieve exhaustion, you got to renew spiritually. You got to renew spiritually. First Kings 19, 11, and 12. And look at the order. I'm, I, I'm not putting these in order of my preference. I'm putting them in order as we see them in the scripture, right? Rest, emotions, and then finally, the spiritual. How do we see that? Well, look at verses 11 and 12. God speaking says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of what? The third thing that God does to Elijah is to help him with renew his spiritual life. And it's interesting how he does it, right? So, he gives him an order and he says, hey, I want you to go meet me in this place. But what does Elijah do? He, he goes, but he doesn't fully obey. He goes inside a cave. So God wants to get his attention. So what does he do? He sends a strong wind. Then he sends an earthquake and then he sends a fire. Sounds like California to me, doesn't it? 
I was reading it. I was like, hey, I could be Elijah. That's California, right? The Santa Ana winds, the San Andreas Fault, right? And the North, uh, the, the North Cal fires. Right? Now, why would God do this? Why would God try to get his attention this way? A couple of things. Number one, what are the chances that those three natural events could happen consecutively? What are the chances of such a strong wind that then you get an earthquake and then you get fires? So I think number one, God was telling Elijah, hey, I'm, I'm here. Like, I, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm around you. But I think that the, 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 the bigger thing that God was doing with Elijah is that he was almost physically illustrating what was going on emotionally in Elijah. Because his inner life was a mess. There was earthquakes and fires and strong winds, all kinds of emotions and feelings and situations going on. But what I love about what God does is that while God does these things, Elijah recognized that God was not in the wind, God was not in the earthquake, and God was not in the fire. Where was God? In the gentle whisper. Why was God in the gentle whisper? Because if these natural events are a reflection of what's going on in Elijah, what Elijah needs is a gentle whisper. It's God's peace. Nothing will calm your heart like being in the presence of God. And after you've rested, and after you've vented emotionally, you need to renew your spiritual life. Because you know the first thing to go out the window when things get crazy? our relationship with God. We feel so broken, we can't come to church. We can still go to work. We can still go to those commitments we have. We, we, we don't have the strength to pray or spend the time reading the Bible, but we do have time to Netflix. <laughs> because here's the thing. All the craziness in our life robs us of the reality of what's the most important thing. And the most important thing is our relationship with God. Amen. Let me ask you something. The Bible says that what profits a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And, and, and let me put that verse in context for us. What good is it for you or for me if we can figure out our inner chaos, but in the, way, in the process of figuring out and calming our inner chaos, we lose our relationship with God. What good is it if you're able to get along with your wife? What good is it if you find peace at work if after you die, you miss out on spending eternity with God? What good is it? I think in, in, in that context, you would rather say, I'd rather experience the, the wind, earthquake, and fires here as long as I know that in eternity, I get to have that eternal peace of being with God. Well, here's the thing. In order to have that eternal peace and eternity, you have to practice that and pursue that here. And every once in a while, our spiritual life, we just, we're, we're, we, we're creatures of habit, right? It becomes routine. You know why we're doing a revival weekend this coming weekend? Not because I need something to do. It's driving my wife and I crazy. It, it is, it is, it is. <laughs> We're putting in so much work, um, you know, just, just to let you in a little bit into our lives. 
she has been pouring her heart out so much. And last night, one person canceled, and this morning, another person canceled. And I could see her holding back the tears of saying, I did so much work. Like, it almost feels, she almost feels like Elijah. Like, I did all this work for nothing. But why are we doing Revival Weekend? Not because we need something to do, but because we need to renew spiritually ourselves. We need to renew our love for the Lord. We need to renew our commitment. We need to spend time. God could have met Elijah right where he was in the wilderness. God could have met Elijah inside the cave. But God has designated places. And he says, here's where I want to meet you. And that's what this coming weekend is for us. It's saying this is the place where we want to meet God. And we want him to renew our love. We want him to bind our hurts. We want him to heal our wounds. We want him to open our spiritual eyes. We want him to fan the flame of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we need to re renew spiritually, right? Because so many things can worry us. So many things can rob our attention. But at the end of the day, what really matters is our relationship with God. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you this way. In the context of the story, are you coming out the mountain and meeting God? Amen. I hope you do. We'll see you. I'll see your answer next week. Number four, number four, and I'll wrap up with this. To relieve exhaustion, the fourth thing God helped Elijah do was refocus your perspective. We need to refocus our perspective. God helped Elijah to see life, to see himself, to see his efforts in true light, in true perspective. Look at verses 15 and 16. It says, then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elijah, son of Jezaphat, from the town of Abel Mehaloha, to replace you as my prophet. Here's the thing. When things get crazy inside of us and around us, It's easy to forget that God created us, not just on purpose, but you ready for this? For a purpose. When our emotions are a mess, it's easy to forget that we have something to do, that God created us for a mission, that there is a task that we are to accomplish, that there is something of significance that we are to do. And one of the ways that God helped Elijah to get out of this exhaustion, to get out of this dark place, was to remind him, Elijah, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. I know you feel that your efforts have not availed much, but I want you to know that I'm not done with you. And when he asked Elijah, I want you to go back and I want you to anoint this person and anoint that person, anoint that person. He was telling him, I still need you as my prophet. I still have something significant for you to do. And I want to tell you that we need to remember that we need to refocus our perspective. God did not put you on this earth to consume. God did not put you on this earth just to accomplish the American dream. God put you on this earth to make a difference. There is a purpose. Amen. 
for every single one of you, for every single one of us, there is a purpose. Now, just in case you're wondering, well, how do I figure out that purpose? It's really easy, but at the same time, not easy. Because that purpose ultimately is expressed in serving someone. You realize what God told Elijah to do? He says, hey, I want you to go anoint three people. He had to go and serve them. See, because God's purpose, the, the true significance of your life, the true impact of your life will not be in what you do for yourself. It will be what you do for others. And the reason many times, many, especially young people, young people, hear me out because this is more true about your generation than my generation and the older generations. One of the reasons you feel life is pointless is because you're focused on you. And after the iPhone 15 comes out, you still have a void and you don't know how to fill that. Because our purpose, the purpose that God created us for is connected in serving someone, serving somewhere. See, when you die, who's going to show up to your funeral? You know who's going to show up? The people you loved and the people you served. So if you want a simplified life, love well, and serve well. God has a purpose for you. You know, I deal, Manolo knows this because I vent with him a lot. I deal with discouragement almost on a weekly basis. You know why Monday's my day off? Because that's the day I want to quit. And if I had to come to church, I would quit. I would quit. You know, almost every Monday I want to quit. Like, ah, oh, here's what didn't work and here's what isn't working. Almost every Monday I want to quit. But you know why I don't give up? For one big reason, because one day I will stand before the Lord and I want to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. <clears throat> now notice, notice what God said he would say. Well done, good and faithful, what? Service. Servant. So after you've rested, after you've vented emotionally, after you've rekindled the fire of the Holy Spirit, you need to refocus your perspective and say, I can't stay in this dark hole. I was made for significance. I was made for a purpose. I have something to give. I have something to do. And I have a difference to make. And you go out and you serve somebody. And here's what will happen. Here's what will happen. Here, here. And I'll say it because I know you don't want to say it. The number one reason you, most people don't want to serve, you want me to tell you what it is? People are difficult. Okay, I thought you were going to like, oh, come on. But you agree with me, right? But here's the truth. Here's the truth. You know what I've discovered? They're all so wonderful. Yeah, you get a, you get a couple of uh, difficult people. But you want to know something about difficult people? If you love them long enough and you love them well, they will love you the most. So I know people are difficult. I know people are difficult, but people are also wonderful. Did you know that Jesus said that it was, there was more blessing, more blessing in giving than in receiving? So when you serve, see, some of you have been asking, Lord, bless me. I want to have a blessed life. You got to start serving. 
Because that's where the blessing comes. God, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So refocus your purpose. Rest, schedule some rest. Vent to God. Renew spiritually and refocus your perspective. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.